DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. Thursday's Utah Jazz Day on NBA TV. Asking you today, what do you want to see besides Game 6 of the 1997 Western Conference Finals and Stockton shot? What are the games you want to see there? They have uh, cut these things down to two hours, and I assume they're still commercials. So, PK, you and I are of the same mind to this. Uh, I wouldn't mind seeing the end of Famous Games, but I'm not sure I need to see that uh, mid-range jumper that made it 32-30. to I could probably live without that. What is this mid-range jumper you describe as? I can't <laughs> recall any of that. Something from the 80s and the 90s. You had to be around to explain it. <laughs> it doesn't really happen anymore. It's now a unicorn. So is that where they moved way out there and had their feet glued to the hardwood floor and they shot it from the waist? <laughs> yeah. That set shots. Yeah, yeah, set Bob, shots. Bob Cousy's on line two. Hold on a second. Let's get Bob on the air. <laughs> Mid-range jumper vaguely rings a bell. No, that's what they should do is just have endings of all the the NBA TV. They got their own network, right, obviously. Mm -hmm. So go ahead and just put, like, the best fourth quarters. Because fourth quarters in post, basically you're going to make your rep now on postseason and maybe some fourth quarters in the regular season. You know, if you go out and you score 16 points in the fourth quarter, and your team comes from behind to win, it's going to be a big deal, whether it's in December or whether it's in March. Now, you do that in the postseason, and then it becomes a huge deal, right? That's basically where we've gone to now as a sports society, is are you clutch or are you not? And if you are... You are deemed something above the rest, right? And that's and it, it and it's always been that way, but I think it's even more so now. Are you clutch? And you don't even have to be a pro. I think you can put it at the collegiate level. Sam Merrill, clutch shot. Most especially, yes. Sam Merrill now. <laughs> I, Obviously, he wanted to play in the NCAA tournament. There's no question. But he will leave Utah State with the best memory of all time in Utah State basketball history. Because before, Stu Morrill did a great job. But the level of competition is better. And can I argue, I don't have the history and I think you do a little bit being with Santa Barbara and having the Aggies be in the conference. But was this not the best win that they ever had under the circumstances? Because you're playing for something. You're playing for an automatic bid. So playing for second place in January clearly does not compare to playing for the opportunity to win the tournament title against a team that was ranked in the top five and had been ranked in the top five for a number of weeks now. This was not a fluke. And to hit that shot and then that's it, that's that's one of the best walk-offs in the state of Utah history, if not literally the best. It's an awesome walk-off. There's no doubt about that. There's a handful of Utah State games that I know about because of UC Santa Barbara. And, right, but, exactly. but some of the years run together. And so 
there was a but see it's a regular season game. The fact that they were a bubble team in the conference tournament title game with the with the automatic berth right there. You know, you just can't you can't match it up in the regular season. But when Jerry Tarkanian had it going at UNLV and when they seemed unbeatable, maybe they'd lose one or two conference games a year, maybe. Uh, they went up and played a triple overtime game in Logan. And the funny thing is, I remember it was triple OT, and I can't remember who won the game. There was a game up there where some student, as a prank, had like water balloons in the vent under the floor by the bench and set them off, and the game had to be stopped. It was national news. Aggie fans know what I'm talking about. And I would I would put the year as as late 80s, uh, but I, I can't nail it down for you without you know going online. This is just off the top of my head without going online and digging it up. So they, you okay. know there've been good teams and famous teams, and they had NCAA teams. And in those days, the Big West could get two or three teams in. So it's really comparable to what the Mountain West is now. Um, yeah, but you don't. You're, we're talking about clutch. You I know. Even remember anything I know that's that happened the in the game? You remember us yeah. about some balloons when they won the I mean, conference? If the, if the balloons hadn't happened, you wouldn't even remember it. When it, when they won the conference tournament. In uh, 88, and they went to the NCAAs, they didn't have to play UNLV. Uh, UNLV got upset in the semis. And they came through the other side of the bracket and won it because they beat UCSB in the semis after UNLV had lost to UC Irvine. And Scott Brooks, the NBA coach, was the star on that Irvine team. Uh, hit okay, a bunch, you just, a bunch of threes. You're naming random times, though. What's that have to do with clutch? Yeah, it's not clutch, though. You're right. I think as, as clutch shots go... I, I can't name something that's better in uh, Aggie history. I mean, I can remember a lot so, of big moments, but I can't remember a clutch one like that. And so if you were going to put the 2019-2020 season at the collegiate level, that's going to be one of the top ten plays in the entire season. Because we're about clutch. We are clutch fanatics now. It's all about clutch. That's exactly what... Everything is boiled down to. So I don't need to watch the uh, whole game. Just give me the clutch. Give me the last quarter of clutchness. That's what I want to see. I don't want to see the there's – there's no such thing as being clutch in the first quarter. It's all about being clutch. You can only be clutch at the end. Right? And I, and I recognize that, well, if you're really good in the beginning – there's no need for clutch at the end. I understand that, and that's what that's part of being great too. But what we get most excited about is when the clock is counting down and the tension is something that is palatable in a given arena, no matter what the sport is. It doesn't matter. You know, See, that's where the Dwight Clark clutch. You know what I'm saying? Yep. We were just talking in the last segment about how I was always telling you. Hey, people are going to work in the morning, they're hungry, they're tired, they got up late, they didn't eat, they're going to a job they don't like. So I've always been pitching the fun thing. But the thing you've been pitching the last five to ten years is social media is changing everything. People don't see the game, but they see the moment. And it's, it doesn't matter. It could be the clutch moment, obviously. You know, you go online and, you know, if there's a dramatic game, you'll see the video pretty quickly of someone, you know, hits a last-second shot, you know, hits an extra-inning homer, one-handed touchdown grab in the final minute or whatever. You'll see that stuff. But it's also the weird and the goofy. You know, a really, a really odd play will show up, too, if something freaky happens and a ball's batted five times and the guy catches and runs for TD. That's going to show up on social media. So I think you're right. Clutch has always mattered. 
and you can go back to old games that went to overtime or extra innings or whatever. But in the last few years, you really can't. And, man, I, I talked to my son about this, and he's 22, and he doesn't watch. And, and this, he was like this in junior high. He would watch football, but he wanted to watch the fourth quarter. He didn't want to watch the whole game. And so, you know, one game would end, and he'd be really into it. Another game would start, and they'd go, oh, this is a great game. And he'd be like, eh. It's the first quarter. Nothing big can happen. He'd be wandering around not paying attention. And now he doesn't watch games. He doesn't, uh, you know, cord cutters. And we know people in their 20s are just not likely to pay for satellite or cable. And he just follows stuff online and sees clips, you know. So so I think that just accentuates the clutch because you don't see the whole game anyway. You're seeing the weird moment, the funny moment, and the big clutch play at the end. Okay, yeah, I think there's a lot of truth to that. That that's the case now. In my case, is a little bit different. I was watching that entire game because I knew the level of importance. I would argue to an extent that uh, that bubble had gotten a lot smaller for mm. Utah State, yeah. but clearly they they entered the tournament, so we're splitting hairs a little bit there. Uh, and that what I'm going to take from this college basketball season. Now I hope it's not what I'm going to take from this NBA season because I'm still thinking that the NBA season is going to continue because they've told me. We had Jim Olson, Jazz president, in last week, and he said that that is the full expectation that they're going to continue. But what I'm going to take from this NBA season right now, or excuse me, this college season, is about the clutch, and it's going to be Hawes' two shots. It's going to be... Sam Merrill, and I could throw in Colorado State, but certainly the level of clutchness against San Diego State dwarfs the regular season right. three that he hit to give them the win at Colorado State. And so those three, then I'm going to take uh, Utah's victory over Kentucky, and then I'm going to take uh, Yoli's performance the last two regular season games, uh, Gonzaga and Pepperdine, they were sensational. I think he had 28 and 38, right? And so far, what I'm going to take out of the Jazz is, in terms of clutchness, is obviously Bogey's shots. And the one against Houston was better than, who? Do you, what was the other one against? Uh, uh, the first one. Who did he beat when he hit the three at home in the corner? It's a pretty good team, wasn't it? Was it Philly, Indiana, Milwaukee? Who was it against? I don't even remember who it was against. It was. The it, one that, I think it was Milwaukee. I think it was the Bucks. Yeah, yeah. I thought. It, I thought so. And then the one that he had against Houston. I think we are, we are clutch addicts. <laughs> Get me the drama. I, I think we are. I think we are clutch addicts, and we want the clutch shot. And if we're going to list most clutch jazz player in franchise history, isn't the little dude the runaway winner? Stockton, you're referring to the little dude? You may have heard of him, yes. (laughs) You may have heard of him. The Uh, little dude. You know, what's uh, really gaining momentum here is a lot of people wish that one of the games, and it won't be because now we've seen the list of games on NBA TV, uh, the miracle in Miami with Millsap going berserk, hitting all those shots at the end of the game, a three and another three, and then the third three, and a three-point play, I think, was mixed in there. uh, Mm -hmm. It just exploded late. But again, clutch, right? Clutch in the final, uh, final minute. Yeah. 
All right, DJ and PK, we got to take a break. When we come back, Tim Lacombe, former Utah and BYU basketball staffer, jazz radio studio analyst, uh, is going to join us. Um, we were hoping to have him on a week ago when the earthquake hit, and then that show just didn't happen. Yacht we went, got Yacht an hour for, and ten minutes. Yak went for a wild ride, and, and then the party was over. We'll talk with uh, we'll talk with Tim coming up next. Pace Manion at nine o'clock. Kalani Sataki, BYU football coach, at nine thirty. Right here on 97.5 at twelve eighty. The Zone. And now, attention, top of the wire on 12 eighty. The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. L.A. Clippers owner Steve Ballmer decided to go ahead and buy the form in Inglewood. He's paying Madison Square Company four hundred Madison Square Garden Company four hundred million dollars. That'll clear the way for him to build a new arena near the Forum and near the Rams' new stadium in Inglewood. Minnesota Timberwolves star Carl Anthony Towns revealed an emotional video late last night that his mother has been hospitalized for the last week and is dealing with health complications from what he believes to be COVID-19. His mom is in a medically induced coma and had to be put on a ventilator. NCAA will allow Clemson star quarterback Trevor Lawrence to go forward with fundraising efforts to help victims of the coronavirus pandemic after originally forcing he and his girlfriend to deactivate a GoFundMe page. Top of the Wire is brought to you by Action Plumbing. Call Action Plumbing and get your winter furnace tune-up and safety check for $33 by calling Action Plumbing at 801-833-3333 or going to actionplumbing.net. This, this, this is Hans Olsen and Scotty G. It's what you want. The head coach of the University of Utah, Kyle Whittingham. Coach, help us understand what social distancing looks like right now for a college athlete. First of all, 95% of our players are home with their families. The campus is essentially shut down. The dorms are just about to close here. There's only a handful of people in the dorms. And so it's definitely something that you know none of us have ever experienced as far as our coaches. you know We're staying out of the office for the most part. Now, that's not to say you can't come in and get things done. I spend some time in here and you know try to get as much as I can done from home but some things I got to do from the office. But it's just a matter of being smart and trying to, uh, you know, adhere to the, the guidelines that have been set down. And the biggest deal right now is making sure each assistant coach is in tune and completely in contact constantly with their position groups. And that's the number one thing that's going on right now. Catch Hans and Scotty every day from noon to three. Presented by your Rocky Mountain Chevy dealers on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. DJ and PK, it's 97.5 and 12.80 The Zone. We're going to talk with Tim Lacombe here in just a minute. PK, normally on a night when I would have been watching NBA basketball, and obviously we haven't had any NBA basketball for a couple weeks now, we're not going to have any for a few weeks to go, so catching up on the movies, and my wife wanted to watch the Tom Hanks, Mr. Rogers movie. And I was like, mm, okay. A friend of hers recommended it. No, it's really good. It's not what you think. Now that I've watched it... It's not what you think. No matter, you could sit at all. No, you, you, oh, you've seen it. You can sit down and pre- predict what you think it's going to be. That's not what it's going to be. I've seen it over Christmas. Yeah. It was interesting. It was. It was very interesting. I thought of you watching, and I thought, I bet PK would actually like this if he saw it. I didn't know you'd already seen it. Uh, but it was, it was really different. Um, there was some of the show in it, but it was more about uh, – him and how he interacted with people, especially a, a writer who wrote an Esquire piece. And it was good enough at the end that my wife and I both went on our phones and Googled the Esquire piece, which is out there to read that. Um, that kind of triggered the whole thing. So that, that was good. If you got if you got some time, you're looking for a movie, uh, it's not what you think. 
DJ and PK, it's time now to welcome in Tim Lacombe, former Utah and BYU basketball staffer, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst on pre-half and post-game shows. He joins us on the Sprint special guest line. Lease any phone and get an iPad or Samsung Tab A for $99.99. Visit the Sprint store nearest you. Tim, good morning. Good morning. We've not spoken in a while since uh, basketball shut down, and you were uh, you were on a little bit of an odyssey, and then all of a sudden everything came to a stop. Yeah, I was on an odyssey. I um, actually was back in in ACC country. I went back for my first ACC tournament and uh, got off the plane in Greensboro about the time they said no more fans at the games, which was kind of a drag. Um. And then next morning woke up and they went ahead and shut the whole thing down. So I don't know. I, th- I tend to have an impact like that on, on things and people when I try to go out and do stuff, you know. So it's better if I'm home, sheltering in place. Without the tournament, obviously it's a big blow to all of us because we love watching it doesn't matter who we are what we're rooting for it's just something that is woven within our american sports fabric without question and it's unique to us nobody else has anything close to it i don't think they have any college sports anywhere maybe up in canada some but we've been hearing about that uh, okay the spring sports they can get this year back winter sports They've been saying, well, maybe they would consider it. I, I really don't see where there's any way that the, the spring sports can get the, or excuse me, the winter sports can get the year back. I think it would be too complicated. Do you see any way, and are you in favor of it? Well, I think that, I, I mean, I agree with you from the outside looking in. It looks pretty complicated. Um, I really think that, simply put, I think if there were some sort of, uh, you know, waiver written in for next year for guys who ended up wanting to stay around because they don't think, I mean, I, I even think in a local case here, you know, you look at Sam Merrill at Utah State, you Yoli um, and, and Jake and TJ. I mean, all those guys are a little bit older. They've been here a while. You know, it comes right down to it. How long, how many of them would stick around for another year or two? Uh, Cause guys got life as well. Um, I think it could be done, but you're right, PK would be pretty complicated um, and probably have an impact going forward. So it's probably one of those things, as, as much as you'd like to do and see that for the kids, I don't know if it's feasible to be able to do it. In the uh, land of unintended consequences, uh, there are many of them, I'm sure, but one that jumped out at me right away is, well, then the kids who are juniors never really get to be seniors because they got all these seniors over here still being seniors. It seems like there's a trickle-down impact on other players, from playing time to shots to not being BMOC, so it sounds pretty complicated. I'm with you. Yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's just one of those things in theory would be awesome. Um, but then when you start trying to figure out, because, you know, some teams like BYU this year had seven seniors or something crazy like that. Um, when you start waving, you're giving that many waivers and then rosters get out of whack and it affects your recruiting. And Yeah, it just seemed a little nutty. Plus two, you got teams like Utah who literally finished their season. Why should their Well, they didn't have any seniors of note. I get that, but just using that as an example, why shouldn't any of those seniors get the year back when they already had the season? So I don't think they do it, nor should I 
think they should do it, but I don't have any problem with the spring sports. But there's been all these restrictions on recruiting. How do you think that's going to affect recruiting with all these things that are going on in a lot of different sports that have been curtailed? Yeah, it's. I mean, I can speak to basketball because uh, you know the minute that you get done with your season, there's obviously a, a window during the final four that's dead, so that they kind of keep that on equal footing. Um, you know, if teams are in the final four, or, or a lot of coaches go back to the final four for convention at the end of the year, they wanted to keep that kind of blocked off. So there's a period of time during that week that is dead. But other than that, now this is. This last week was supposed to be the, the National Junior College Tournament, which is back in Hutchinson, Kansas, every year. And it's an awesome tournament. But you can go back there and, you know, find guys that maybe slipped through the cracks. Um, you're obviously going out to schools. And and now with transfers, as big as they are, you know, transfer guys hit the portal and they're able to come out and do a visit. So all that stuff now is out, and you're going to have to do all of that stuff for foreseeable future um you know on on the phone or video conference you gotta get creative so uh, that's kind of the, the challenge at hand and and many of the staffs like i was talking to guys both at byu and utah this last week and um they they were telling me they can't even go in the office you know so even if no one else is there they, they pretty much quarantine those offices so they're doing it all kind of remotely from one another and from from all their guys. So it's, it's an interesting time for sure. How would you advise a player to work out now? Because normally they'd be working out, but there's just all kinds of limitations. High school gyms are closed up. They can't get to those. Uh, you know, belonging to some club, going to some gym there, you, you can't do that. What would you tell a player? Get really creative. Um, you know, find somebody that Maybe he has a key to a church that you could slide in. I mean, I was, I was, I was the king of that. I actually, growing up, I didn't ever have keys, but I kind of leave a block of, of wood in one of the windows so I could sneak through. You know, got to be creative. Um, but more than that, I think more more than anything, they just got to continue to. You know, it's it's hard. You guys probably seeing it. Um, you know, I've I've been such a picture of health for many years, but this coronavirus will break man i'm starting to kind of throw a little weight so um it's it's just kind of an interesting time where guys got to get creative about how they work out where they work out um you know like you say gyms are shut down so got to be an inside job you got to know somebody that knows somebody and get you in somewhere so this van Komen kid out of utah put his name in the transfer portal uh, is BYU a possibility? And you may have been involved in the recruiting of it. What was going on there? Um, I was, yeah, so I've watched Matt play a ton. Um, you know, Matt's obviously a great player. Um, you know, more than anything, it just came down to the kind of system and fit for us at BYU. But I would say that I think BYU's got to be pretty interested. I, I don't have that. Um, I heard that secondhand. But yeah, I heard that uh, that they're very interested. But he's a kid who will, you know, transfers, especially right now with nothing else going on. Transfers kind of are they're recruited above their level often, um, and by that I mean you know schools that wouldn't even give them the time of day out of high school come in the second go around uh, just because it's kind of new and intriguing. 
Um, but Matt's a, he's a great player. He's he's got a chance to be a kid if if he can get you know an opportunity to really kind of shine. And he's not going to be great in a five out system. You know, he's a guy who has to be more traditional. I kind of think Rudy Gobert. You know, that's kind of the type of player he can be. He can be defensive. You know, wizard blocking shots. But you know, you get him away from the basket offensively and defensively and it kind of limits his ability to be effective so those are just steps he's got to take to get better and also look for where he ends up being a system that kind of plays to that a little more than uh, than a five out situation would so what percentage of college teams want to go five out and what percentage want to have a true old school post player in the paint I think if you just look at ages of coaches you know I think that might give you some and I'd say that being funny, but I'm being serious. I think, I think there's a whole, you know, new movement of foot uh, over the last, I guess, five six years um, that really values the, you know, the analytics, the three point line, you know, three point lines or layups or nothing else. Um, and in those systems, typically, you want a big mobile guy that can block shots, but you also want a big mobile guy that can step away, pick and pop. Um, you know, space the floor for a skip, be able to be active and athletic enough to be able to catch it, shot fake, do something with it. So um, I guess my, to break it down on a percentage basis, I mean, I wouldn't even dare guess, but I would say that the trend is definitely moving toward smaller, um, more athletic guys. I guess positionless basketball is, is a term that's used a lot. Um, and I would say that it's probably that number's probably bigger of guys who want to or are trying to play positionless basketball than the other. Um, you know, but again, I think it, a lot of it's based on the come from of the head coach. How realistic is it, it to expect BYU to get the best LDS talent every year? Um, well, the one thing you have to, you know, if you are BYU, if you're working there, if you're if recruiting to there is is important. I think it's vital. Um, you know, it's certainly a, it's kind of a very a difficult thing anymore because these used to be that uh, these kids grew up playing, grew up dreaming of playing at BYU, and you know, not a whole lot of other things got in the way. Um, nowadays, it's uh, I'm telling you just to get a, a really good local player with ties to your university uh, that is, you know, shares the same religious beliefs, all that. It, it's crazy how hard that's become compared to when I started, you know, 20 years ago. Um, back then, you'd identify the best players, you'd let them know you're interested, they would get excited, and everything would roll. But it's it's important to get the best player. It's important in my mind. I think you need to get the best LDS player. That was always always our goal. Um, it's just it's just getting harder to do that now because you know you look at the football side um, and you look at the guys who end up chasing the best LDS athletes, and it's a who's who. Um, and basketball's really kind of become that way too. Um, you know, I remember we had Frank Jackson locked up. He was committed. He was in the 10th grade. 
we kind of got our work done early, and I was in a gym somewhere. I want to say I was back in New York, but we're out there in the summer watching Frank play, and he was just putting on a show. Out of the corner of my eye, I saw Coach K and one of his uh, staff members walk over to the side of the court, and I'm thinking, walk away, walk away, walk away. And he goes and doesn't walk away. He actually pulls up a chair and watches him play for the second half. And, you know, that's kind of when you start going, oh, boy, this is going to get tricky. So um, really, really important to get him. Not as easy as it looks. And uh, the way things are going anymore with scouting services, social media, ability to really kind of dig in on any kid, it makes it really, really hard to, to get the LDS kid. Tim Lacombe joining us here on 97.5 and 1280 The Zone. We have heard, and we're going to have uh, Kalani Sataki on here in a little while, um, about all the missionaries coming home and you know the, the coming home all at once and they weren't supposed to, and that uh, is going to put them in a numbers crunch. Do you know how the basketball program is set up with that? Do you have any idea who's coming back and how they'll fit and if they'll end up sliding over to other schools because there's going to be too many – too many players all at once. Any idea how that'll work out? Um, I know. I think they're fine in terms of, of guys coming home. Um, you know, there are, there are a handful of guys out on missions, but Hunter Erickson just got back about a week ago, week and a half ago. Um, he's a kid we signed from Tim View, who's going to be a great player. He's, uh, I think he's a guy who you watch him play, kind of reminds you of Travis Hansen. Very, very great ability to score. But he's got a toughness to him too. Um, I don't think he's as uh, I don't think he's as big a know-it-all as Travis. But I think everything else he's kind of got Travis's game. Nice. Um, but in terms of the other, I don't really know. I don't really know the other the situation very well. Guys coming home, um, our guys that have just gone out. I don't think there's a whole slew of them. I think football's going to deal with that way more. Than basketball, I think one thing you will look at though is will it postpone or deter guys who are planning to go on missions to maybe not go, and then you've got a guy like Dallin Hall sitting in the wings, right? That um, and guys like that, if something were to happen, if they're postponed, guys going out, and I don't know how any of that's going to work, but that, that certainly would would leave a couple of guys there that you weren't planning on, and but that kind of happens every year, one way or another. Do you think as far as then recruiting the non-LDS athlete for BYU is the best way to go about this through the transfer route or still high school? No, I think I think the, the transfer route has become a very, very uh, great way to introduce BYU to kids. Um, I think out of high school, most kids have their mind made up that they're going to go try to play at some place they're familiar with or they have some familiarity with. Um, or it's a, you know, it's one of those dream things where, you know, Chase Fisher tells the story that when he was recruited out of West Virginia, he was going to, in his mind, he was going to take the very biggest offer that came. And, you know, regardless of his relationship or system fit, I think kids think that a lot. Um, you know, he ended up going to Wake Forest and it didn't work out great for him. And then on the rebound, I think that's where, in particularly BYU and Pope positioned themselves this year. Um, they got a lot of TV time. They got a lot of uh, great exposure. They had an awesome year. And so I think in the transfer market, you 
you use that and you build on that. And one thing I'm really encouraged about, um, when I was there um, two years ago, um, and uh, we were basically told from upper campus that we're no longer able to recruit grad transfers, that it's just not something that school wanted to get involved with too heavily. Um, and so I knew right then and there that was going to be an issue because everything was trending toward grad transfers. And that's actually probably BYU's best chance to get a kid who's mature, who's graduated already, who's looking for an adventure, um, and then understands, hey, you come out here, you take one visit to the university, they throw on the film of that place sold out, you walk that arena, you see the facilities, you meet the people, and it's over. Um, so one thing BYU's got going for them in a big sense right now is I think campus is totally back in harmony with bringing grad transfers in. Um, and I think transfers all the way around are guys that, you know, they can really help BYU in areas that uh, that maybe a high school kid trying to get his bearings can't. So transfers, and particularly transfers to football and basketball, I would say are, are really, really huge. As big as recruiting out of high school, you got to be in that market for sure. Last thing before we let you go, uh, a couple months ago I thought the coaching carousel would do its normal thing, but nothing is normal now, and from – People who lost a lot of money in the stock market, who may boosters who may not want to write a check to buy somebody out, to the fact that it just looks bad to be spending five, ten, or fifteen million to buy out a coach now, uh, with all the other priorities where the money could be spent that are so much more important. How many coaching changes are there going to be this off season? Well, there were a couple that I was pretty much sure were going to happen, um, and I, just, I over the last couple of days I just saw that a couple of those. They, you know, the AD came out and said, hey, you know, we're not making change. Um, so I think it affect, it's affecting it big, uh, or as, as Trump would say, it's affecting it bigly, very importantly, bigly. Um, you like when I do that, don't you, DJ? I laughed. Thank you. I didn't think you'd go um, there, and then all of a sudden you did. Look at you. Bigly. Uh, so it's it's one of those things that I think that the um, – you know that the they just got to take a great look at it. Um, it's got to be something that totally makes sense if you want to make a move. But I, I, I'm with you. I think that money's dried up. Guys aren't wanting to write checks, and I think the PR right now would look worse. I mean, we're right in that season uh, with NCAA tournaments supposedly going on. You know, Final Four coming up. That's this is that season where about every you know, 30 minutes you see on the ticker that somebody either lost a job or got a job. And there's just not that many jobs out there. And my guess is if if this uh, coronavirus continues and, um, you know, we're, we're under these circumstances, that that probably will save a whole lot of college basketball jobs because people don't want to move during it. All right. We appreciate some time. As always, Tim, thanks for checking in. All right, guys. Thank you. Tim Lacombe, former Utah and BYU basketball staffer, Utah Jazz radio studio analyst. Join us right here on 97.5 at 1280 The Zone. Take The Zone with you wherever you go. Let's go. Download the all-new Zone Sports Network app on your phone and get live streaming of The Zone as well as podcast editions of every show. 
from Salt Lake to Shanghai, Provo to Portugal, or Ogden to Oslo. Wherever you go, we'll tag along. Let's go. Download the new Zone app by searching Zone Sports Network wherever you shop for apps. It's the Zone Sports Network app. From 97.5, 1280 The Zone and the Zone Sports Network. We got two tickets for Brad Paisley's tour stop here in Utah. Country music superstar Brad Paisley lining up another leg of his love and war sporting tour for 2020. He's bringing along plenty of friends and special guests to help make it this year's most fun country show. Your chance to see him live with special guests Jordan Davis and Gabby Barrett is Saturday, May 30th at USANA Amphitheater. Tickets are on sale now. Purchase your tickets at LiveNation.com or win them right now by being caller 12 at 855-340-ZONE. This is your chance to win tickets. Win. It's a win ticket Wednesday. Wednesday, 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 Wednesday. Caller number 12 right now at 855-340-ZONE. And you'll win tickets right here on 97.5, 1280 The Zone and The Zone Sports Network. 855-340-ZONE. Caller number 12. Get the tickets. May 30th. That might be a little optimistic on the date. We'll have to see how things play out, but you'll have the tickets if they get rescheduled, so you'll be set either way. All right, when we come back, Pace Mannion. He's got great NCAA tournament memories. His son, Nico, now a freshman at Arizona, won't get that chance. How will, uh, assuming that Nico is headed for the draft, we'll talk to Pace about that. How do you get ready for the draft right now? We'll talk with Pace about all that and playing basketball in Italy and what's going on there now. Pace Mannion coming up, and then Kalani Sataki at 9.30 on 97.5 and 12. 1280 The Zone.